Right but wrong. Yeah, thank you. You know, we as humans are so complex, many of you more than others. Um, Our emotions are only one aspect of our being, but they're so important. And actually, it's been said that emotions are the Christian's number one enemy because they prevent us from following God's will. Our emotions. Frequently, we simply don't know why we feel like we feel. We let emotions confuse us, and it often leads to decisions that we regret later. Now, I want to pause just for a second because I'm getting ahead of myself. Last week, we had a healing service, and I was so um, happy with how you all engaged. There was a lot of praying going on here from the moment we started until the time we ended. And I, as a pastor, sometimes think, hey, if I don't bring the message, we're going to lose people or we're going to frustrate people or people aren't going to come up and get prayer. A healing service kind of sounds weird anyway, and it was the opposite of that. It was filled with the Spirit of God from the the time it started until the time it ended. With that said, I want to ask you, if you have a testimony, if you've had breakthrough because of that or because of anything, the church needs to hear testimony. So I want to encourage you, come and talk to me. Talk to your Sunday school class. Make sure you're sharing it. Maybe it's not from the pulpit. Maybe it's in your class. Maybe it's around the water cooler. Um, We've got a new expression for the water cooler because we bought one at, at Aldi for our dog. It plugs into his little water, and as he drinks, it pours more out, and it does the bubbling thing. And uh, we, I've recently learned in the last year or two that the English, the English, England, calls that, instead of the water cooler, calls it the bubbler. It's literally the name that they call it. And the bubbler scares my grand dog. <laughs> he'll be drinking, and all of a sudden he'll go, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but just enjoy that one for a minute. (laughs) Testimonies. I believe people have experienced breakthrough, and we need to hear it. The church needs to hear it. We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. Let's go back to emotions. There are so many things we don't understand about ourselves, but in God, but thank God we can learn. And if you will stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself, what do you see? You see the outer shell of yourself. It's definitely not the inner shell, right? You can look pretty normal until you start talking, right? We can look like, hey, that's a cool guy. Oh, wait, (laughs) not not so much. But we we, we take so much care on what goes on out here, but we don't take care of what's going on inside, We have thoughts, we have feelings, we have uh, imaginations, we have desires that are so down deep and they're a part of who we are. The Bible refers to that in 1 Peter 3, verse 4, the hidden person of the heart. That's really who you are. Have you ever felt like the person that's inside you is different than the person that you present? I do. You guys know if you get to know me, I'm way different than you'd think I am. Way different, positively and negatively. First and foremost, we are spiritual beings. We have a soul. 
and it lives in our body. And church, we should pay more attention to that part of our body than the outside part of our body. Not that the outside's not important, but, but our outside part of the body is going to die. The inside part isn't. It's going to live forever. First Peter chapter 3, verse, verses 3 and 4. It says, Let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and knotting of the hair, the wearing of jewelry, the changing of clothes, but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in the sight of God. What this is not saying is that wearing jewelry and fixing your hair is wrong. Thank you, Cody. I tried to dress as Cody for Halloween, but Elizabeth said you don't have enough rings. <laughs> That's just the start of me failing as dressing as Cody. That was just the beginning. There's a lot of other issues. Cody's a good dresser. It's not implying not to take care and to wear those things. It's saying we pay too much attention to it and not enough attention to what's inside, which is most important. And when we ignore that, God is not pleased. It would be better for us to allow the Holy Spirit to improve our thoughts and emotions and our imaginations and our conscience. If in the eyes of the world, a woman or a man is considered beautiful or well-dressed, but that person is filled with anger and unforgiveness and guilt and shame and depression and negative, hateful thoughts, then that person is bankrupt spiritually and unattractive to God. How many times do we look good, but we are a mess inside? What we often feel is that a war... And what has actually happen, happening is that a war is going on within ourself. One part of us, the inner person, wants to, wants to do what we know is right. And the outer part, the other part, the outer part wants to do what is wrong. The wrong thing can feel right. Anybody ever been completely deceived to believing one thing was true but it wasn't? The wrong thing can feel right, while the right thing feels wrong. Remember that we cannot judge the moral value of any action. We cannot judge the moral value of any action by our feelings. Did you catch that? That's a, that's a big one. Our feelings are unreliable, and they cannot be trusted to convey the truth. A Christian, man or woman. Now, I'm going to give a little example. This is going to be about a woman, so please don't call me sexist or mean or anything. I could easily do it about a man, but I'm going to do it about a woman. So I won't be around when the service is over. <laughs> a Christian woman may become attached to another man other than her husband. She may feel that she could never be happy without this new man. Yet deep inside, she knows in her, in her spirit that leaving her family would be, and the other man would be, the, would be the wrong thing to do. She doesn't want to hurt anyone. She doesn't want to disappoint family and friends, but her feelings seem overwhelming. 
She battles with her thoughts and emotions and in the midst of a terrible, relentless struggle. She talks herself into doing the right thing. But when she sees this other man, her feelings well up within her and feels again like I cannot be happy without him. Part of her wants to do what's right. Part of her wants to do what she feels even though she knows it's wrong. She asks herself and perhaps other people time and again, why do I feel this way? She wishes she doesn't feel that way. But then she reasons. Anybody remember the song? How can it be wrong if it feels so right? There's several songs about that. How can it be wrong if it feels so right? So what does she do? She starts to justify her actions and making excuses and placing blame elsewhere. I want to give you a, a, a key to somebody being in pain. Blame. The moment we start turning our issues into somebody else's problem, something's wrong. Doesn't mean the other person didn't do something wrong, but at some point you have got to take ownership and move on. You still are where you are. You're still with the problem that you've got. Maybe there's blame, maybe there isn't, but you need to move on. That's a little word for you. That was free. Starts making excuses, placing blame, justifying her actions. She says that her husband doesn't understand her and has never been emotionally available. She's lonely and convinces herself that she's married to the wrong man. These arguments sound reasonable, but there is still something in her that will not let her go without a fight. The Spirit of God lives in her spirit and is convicting her and trying to convince her to follow wisdom rather than emotion. Now I'm going to get done with this story, so just hold on with me for just a second. This Christian woman has reasonable knowledge of God's word, and as a believer, she has a renewed spirit. God has given her a new heart, and he has put his spirit deep within her. She knows what's right to do, wants to do it, but her soul, where her thoughts and emotions reside, has a different idea altogether. It wants to feel good at the moment, not what will produce good results later on. Now, a woman with no knowledge of God's word, no relationship with him, may not care what she, uh, what she wants, that, that she wants what is right or wrong. But the Christian is unable to sin and not care. Did you hear that? If you are genuinely a Christian and you have the spirit of God, you are not able to sin and not have some type of reaction to it. She may choose to sin, but her choice is not due to ignorance. The Bible teaches us that those that are born of God cannot willfully, habitually, purposely sin because God's nature resides in us. It says that in 1 John 3, 9. We may sin, but we cannot do it comfortably and continually. There are very mu- they are very much aware of, we are aware of our wrong actions, and we are miserable. The child of God, I point at myself, I'm a child of God, I have the spirit of God, but yet I still sin. The child of God frequently finds that she or he wants to do what's right and wrong at the same time. It's possible to be standing at a crossroads and want to go both ways.
Her renewed spirit craves holiness and righteousness, but the carnal fleshly soul still craves worldly things. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. This is Paul. The Apostle Paul says, I don't understand my own actions. I'm baffled and bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do the very thing I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. Depending on how you read, what translation you read, this says over and over and over, I want to do what's right, but I don't. I know the right thing to do, and I have the power to do it, but I don't. But I want to, but I don't. Can anyone relate? You're not the broken one because you're struggling with this. We all are. We all are broken. We are fighting our flesh. We are fighting our spirit. We have the ability to choose right, but our flesh, flesh, when I say flesh, our carnal, worldly stuff sometimes drives the ship. The whole point of this series is to learn to not allow your emotions to drive your ship. And by the way, I said ship. I've got several that are on my case about that day that I said, hey, we can go out and have a drink of Coke, and I talked about your ship, and no one's left me alone about that one. So for the record, I put that one away. Done. Paul goes on in the same chapter to talk about what we feel by saying that he has the intention and the urge to do what's right, but he fails to carry it out. He fails to practice the good that he desires to do. Instead, of, instead, he does evil. Thankfully, by the end of the chapter, it says he says that only Christ can deliver him from his own fleshly action. And as we continue to study his life, we understand that he's developed an ability to say no to himself if what he wanted does not agree with God's word. Did you hear that? Paul Paul learned to say no to his flesh, to say no to his feelings when it did not agree with God's word. He learned to lean on God for his strength and to choose what was right no matter how he felt. Paul said that he died daily, which meant that he died to his own fleshly desires in order to glorify God. Look at this, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I die daily, I face death every day, and die to self. I don't want to contradict God's word, and I'm not doing that, but I would say Paul still struggled with it. Even though he says that he's got it knacked, I think he's, I think he's saying this can be done, but it is a struggle. I don't like dying. I don't want to die. I want to live. I want my way. Sometimes I try to force God to see it my way. That doesn't ever go well. He's never harsh. And he lets me choose to go my way. But the ways of a man seem right. But they lead to death. That's what my way goes. Christians were regularly persecuted in Paul's life. And he certainly faced the possibility of physical death daily. But he also, it shows us here, experienced soul death as he lays down his own will for the to live for God. He chose to obey God and walk in the spirit and wisdom rather than the soul and the flesh. 
He walked according to what he knew was right, not according to how he felt or what he thought. He expressed those right decisions to dying to himself. I'm going to continually use that expression, dying to self, in this series. Although it sounds unpleasant and painful, the truth is that we, die, we must die to ourselves if we truly want to live the lives that God has provided for us through Christ. I have learned that the more I die to myself, I don't know, I don't know that this is the right expression. Um, it's never easy to die to yourself, but sometimes the, the decision gets easier. It's still not easy to, to go that route, but beginning to recognize it and beginning to know God's way versus my way, the more I do it, I feel like it's like exercise or it's like muscle repetitiveness. I get, I get used to it. I start to learn it. I start to see it coming. I'm, I'm looking for it. How many of you know that if you're looking for the problem, your ability to react is usually better than if you're not looking for it? Dying to self. God's provided us success through Christ. When we live, live by that principle rather than emotion, we're dying to selfishness and will enjoy the abundant life of God. I'm sure you've heard the expression, no pain, no gain. Anything, every good thing in life requires investment before we can see the reward Exercise. How many of you know if you wanted to go out and run a mile and you've not ran in years, it's going to be painful? You could probably even make it a mile. Running, probably. If not, maybe doing a little bit of running and walking. But I promise you, tomorrow, you're going to feel it. And you're going to think, I'm not doing that again. But if you do it again and again, and again, and again, the pain starts to go away, and you start to go farther and farther and farther and farther. I believe that's why, as I learn to die to myself in God's word, by God's word and by his desires, let his life be my life, I get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Doesn't mean in my running, as long as I've been running, I still get injured. But I don't quit. I recover, and I learn to stretch that muscle better, or I learn to do things a little bit def- different. Exercise is painful, but it's rewarding. Saving money is painful. I don't want to save. I don't like saving. It's really not true. The more you save, the more you like to save. But then I've kind of turned into the guy that doesn't like to spend. And and Elizabeth doesn't like that because she likes to spend. I'm not lying. It's true. She's a good spender. She's smart, though. She likes to save, too. But when we save, what do we wind up with? Financial security. Working through difficulties in relationship provides the reward of good companionship. How many of you know, I don't care who you have a relationship with, you're going to have a challenge with them. And you're going to have to give in at some point. If you don't, the relationship will die. No matter how much you like the person, if you're not willing to die to yourself a little bit, it's not going to work. How many of you in marriage, if you don't die to yourself, you ain't making it. Learning to understand the differences between soul and spirit is vital if we can ever hope to have a measure of stability and victory in life. We've got to learn to live out the new nature God has given us while dying to the old nature or the flesh. 
You know, so many Christians don't know that you have the power over your emotions. We are, we are not, we are completely controlled by how we feel, and even worse, we don't know that we can do anything about it. God's word says people perish for the lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6, and Proverbs 29, 18. And believe me, I know that to be true. But there are millions of people looking for answers. They want more stability. They want to be able to trust themselves and have other people they can, that they can depend on and be stable. But they've never learned to manage their emotions. Instead, they let their emotions manage them. God's word teaches us that when we receive Christ, he gives us a new nature. He gives us a new nature. He, not just that, he gives us his nature. He gives us a spirit of discipline and self-control. He also gives us a sound mind. You know, Scripture tells me that I have the mind of Christ. It's there. Maybe I use it, maybe I don't. But it's there, but so is mine. And that means that I can think about things properly without being controlled by my emotion. The way we once were passes away, and I have all the equipment that I need for a brand new way of behaving. God gives us the ability and offers us help, but we are not puppets, and he will not manipulate us. We must choose spirit over flesh and right over wrong. Our renewed spirit can now control our souls and body, or to say it another way, our inner person can control the outer person. The Bible frequently uses the term the flesh for the, uh, referring to the combination of the body, mind, emotion, and will. And another uh, word that flesh is synonymous with is carnal. Both come from the, from the root word meat, meat or animalistic. In other words, if the flesh is not controlled, then you're going to wind up acting like a wild animal. Have you ever done something ridiculous in a moment of intense emotion and then come back and say, I have no idea why I just acted like I acted? That's not me. But the person on the other side would say, I don't know, that was you. I was there. That was there. That was in there. That's the biggest red flag to me is when something comes out that seems out of character, that was still there waiting to come out. I am a person that doesn't show a ton of emotion until I show a ton of emotion. And at that point, it's usually pretty bad. I'm usually pretty even kill. I don't know. I kind of think that about myself. I don't know if those two that are closest to me that are right here on the front rows and then my kids would say, no, Dad, you show emotion all the time. No, <laughs> I really don't. I don't feel like that I do, but when I do, um, it's also um, big happy emotion, but also can be extremely frustrated and angry emotion. And I justify it. 
and I'll justify it so much that no one can respond. You know what I'm saying? I kind of shut the door on communication and just, you just have to go with me. And it's immature. It's, it's the definition of immaturity. Without God's help, I can't do it. Without God's help, we have difficulty doing anything in moderation. We eat too much. We spend too much money. We have too much entertainment. Check, check out this one. We talk too much. Scripture says be slow to speak and quick to listen. You know, if you're slow to speak, you'll wait and you'll think about what's coming out of your mouth. The problem is the things that I regret, I did not process through my filter before it came out of my mouth. It was just raw. And it tasted raw. Have you ever put raw food in your mouth? I know you're hungry, but maybe that helps kind of curb your appetite. We are excessive in our actions because we behave emotionally. We feel like doing a thing, so we do it without any thought to the end result. And after the thing is done, it cannot be undone, and we regret it. Um, One of my biggest weaknesses is milk duds. And I hide them in the fridge. And I go out to the garage about 20 times a day. They're in the fridge because I like them cold. They're already pretty, pretty hard, but I like them harder. And I only get three or four at a time. But after 20 trips, I'm, I'm telling you, I have trouble, trouble controlling it. We laugh, and I know that we have all these issues, but it's hard to control it. We do not have to live our life in regret, God gives us a spirit to enable us to choose right and wrong. He urges us, guides us, and leads us. But listen, we still have the casting vote. You must cast your vote. If you've been casting the wrong vote, you know what you need to do? Change your vote. It's not that easy, Pastor. Yes, it is. The Spirit of God is in you. You can. It just comes with some pain. You can. If you've been casting the wrong vote, change. Forming new habits will require making a decision that you do not do what you feel unless it agrees with God's will. You will have to say no quite often. And that is dying to yourself. Wise choices have nothing to do with feelings. You may or may not feel like doing the right thing. You can feel wrong and still do what is right. Did you hear that? Your emotions can really want this thing and you still choose that one. I can, I can want to do what is right and wrong at the same time. But I can tell you, over choosing the wrong thing. It's better to hurt a little bit than to suffer the regret and the pain of making the wrong choice. You may have the habit of following your feelings in order to stay happy and comfortable. 
but you can also form new habits. Form a habit of enjoying good emotions, but don't let them control you. All right, I'm going to close with a couple quotes, and then we're going to make a statement. Watchman Nee, a well-known author and pastor, said, as, emotions, as emotion pulsates, the mind becomes deceived, and conscience is denied its standard of judgment. Can you let that one sink in a minute? As your emotions grow, build. The mind becomes deceived, and conscience is denied its standard of judgment. Your judgment becomes skewed. You have a higher percent of making a bad decision when your emotions increase. How many of you have let words slip out of your mouth because of your emotion? Had you not been emotional, those words wouldn't have come out. The sooner we learn that feelings are fickle, they come and go, the better we are. Feelings are unreliable and not to be trusted while making final decisions. It's nice to have the feelings that support what we're taking action, but we can do what is right without the fuel of feelings. The woman battling with the new man deep inside knew her actions were wrong, but her emotions were pulsating, and the devil used her mind, her thoughts, and her reasoning to deceive her. The voice of her conscience was drowned out by her own soul-driven thoughts and feelings. Let me close with this. Wanting to do what is, it is possible to want to do what is right and want to do what is wrong at the same time. We all fight the same decisions. But I want you to make the right decision now. That with God's help, you are going to win the war. With God's help, you are going to win the war. The takeaway from today is do not allow your emotions to drive your ship, to drive the car. It will drive you off a cliff. And then you're left with the damage. And a lot of times, your family is left with the damage. And your job is left with the damage. And your finances are left with the damage. Your relationships, your marriage. Get a hold of your emotions. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Now, God didn't fail because I just threw a fit. I failed. And I didn't have to. Because in me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Will you all stand up with me? And I want you all to say something with me if you would. Do you all mind to just make this confession? Let's just say it together. I follow God's principles, not emotions. Therefore, I am a winner in life. If you're here today and you've never made that first-time choice for Christ, He gives you a new nature. He forgives you of your sin. He comes in and helps you. He engrafts you into His Word and into His body.
We are his body. There is a place for you here. There are answers for you for the things that you are struggling with and the things that you cannot overcome. Christ in me, I can overcome. Christ in me, I am more than a conqueror. Christ in me, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I'm sorry, I told you I would do this. It's orange. Yes, thank you. Yesterday was a great day. This week was a great day. Tennessee won. Alabama lost. Patriots lost. (laughs) Go Titans. Sorry. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for today. I thank you that, Lord, you're trying to teach us about our emotions. Lord God, this is such a, it's literally sensitive. And it controls us. And it's wrong. Just ask right now, Lord, that we would just repent of our allowing our emotions to overtake us. For us to be angry and demanding when we could be calm. For us to be overreacting to things that do not deserve that kind of emotion from us. For the decisions that we've made based on our feelings and not based on your word. Father God, I ask that we would make a decision today to be in your word and to be slow to speak. And when our emotions get large, that we would just acknowledge it and pause for a moment. And let that emotion pass. And then with a good sound mind that you have given us, make a decision. But God, that causes us to have to slow down and pause when we hurt. Help us to overcome our emotions. You have given us the fruit of self-control. Help us in winning over our emotions. Thank you, Jesus. We just love you. Now give us a great week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.